first. Our scripture reading will be from Leviticus 23, 4 through 5. And that's in your Old Testament and your Pew Bibles, page 109. These are the appointed festivals. These are the appointed festivals of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall celebrate at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, there shall be a Passover offering to the Lord, and on the fifteenth day, the same month, said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of the months. It shall be, it shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining it. Lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of its blood and put it on the two doorposts of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it, of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning shall burn. This is how you shall eat, eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it holily. It is the Passover of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The elders hate it when I uh, choose a passage from the Old Testament. (laughs) But you did good, Carrie. Good job. We, uh, uh, three Sundays ago, I kind of gave an introduction. I shouldn't have done this. I should have started it today, the introduction today. But I don't know how I did this. Um, because we've had Taylor for two weeks, and then we're coming back to these feasts. But uh, uh, three weeks ago, I kind of gave an introduction to the fact that we're doing a summer series 
on the seven great feasts of Israel. You remember, some of you remember that? that okay, thank you, Nathan. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're, we're actually going to look at these seven great, there were seven great feasts. There were more, more feasts than just that. But there were seven great feasts. And uh, we're going to look at those feasts and we're going to talk about them in terms of, uh, I'm going to do this what I normally do. Um, we're going to talk about uh, these feasts uh, uh, in terms of kind of what the, what the feast was celebrating in and of itself. And a lot of the feasts kind of centered around uh, the, the agrarian culture uh, of the day. And then we're going to uh, also look at uh, what the meaning of those feasts were for the people of Israel. Uh, we're going to uh, try to look at them as well in terms of how they foreshadowed Jesus the Messiah. And then we're going to look at uh, the feasts um, and see how they can encourage us today. All in 20 minutes. <laughs> That's impossible. Um, there's, I mean, you could preach a, a month of Sundays just on each feast. Um, so there's uh, not a, a whole lot I can say on, on each one of them, but hopefully it'll be enough to stimulate your thinking, and maybe you can go to the Old Testament, look at these passages um, in Leviticus and uh, Exodus, and read about uh, the feasts as well. So we're going to start today with the Feast of Passover. Okay, Passover was, it is kind of the, it still is kind of the key uh, feast for the people uh, of Israel. And so we want to look at uh, that feast uh, today. It's a familiar story to us, right? I mean, most of us know uh, this story. We've learned about it in vacation Bible school. We've learned about it in Sunday school or, or just from uh, preaching and so forth. Or, or maybe you come to Monday, Thursday, uh, the celebration that we have in here with that kind of miniature uh, Seder meal that we have uh, each year and learn about Passover uh, that way as well. The whole idea is, is that the people of Israel uh, were um, in uh, the Promised Land. They were living there with uh, Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and he had his 12 sons and so forth. And uh, there was a famine in the land. And right prior to that famine happening, a few years before that famine happened, Joseph, the youngest son, was uh, not liked by his brothers, right? And they took him out to kill him. And instead of killing him, they threw him in a pit. He was picked up by some uh, Midian traders. They went to Egypt. Uh, and he wound up being a slave. And remember in Potiphar's house. And, and then uh, he got out of there and wound up in prison. And then he was in prison. And then he had these dreams and was able to, to uh, help the Pharaoh plan for uh, seven years of famine and Seven, seven years of provision and then seven years of famine. Remember that, all that, all that story. And so it's in the uh, latter part of, of the book of Genesis. And so, so when the famine came, it came to that whole region, Jacob and his family uh, came down to Egypt because they're the only ones that had food. Because Joseph had helped Egypt prepare for this. And, and consequently, he'd become the second most powerful person in Egypt next to Pharaoh. They come down, and, and there's this whole thing about his revealing himself to them, who he really is, and so forth. So they, they stay down there. They sojourn in, in Egypt for a while. Uh, that just means that they hung out there. And so they're, they're in Egypt, and then eventually the, the pharaoh that was uh, uh, friendly with Joseph and, and with his uh, extended family, he dies. Another pharaoh comes along and um, doesn't know them and enslaves them. And they're enslaved for over 400 years. 
in the land of Egypt. Our, our country's only been around for 225 years or 230, I don't remember what it is. But uh, twice as long. They've been, they were enslaved twice as long as that country's even existed. And they've been building things, you know, they're building, what do you call those things? Pyramids, they're building the pyramids, they're, they're building those things, and they're building these monuments and all this kind of stuff. And then finally, you know, they're, they're, their babies are being murdered, um, the baby boys are being murdered because they, the, the uh, Egyptians are freaked out that maybe they'll get uh, become more numerous than them and take over, and all this is going on. They're experiencing all this horrible stuff taking place during this time of enslavement uh, to the Egyptians. You know the story. And it's, you know, it's, it's these kinds of stories from Jewish people that it, right, have kind of, in some ways, given them their humor. I mean, all these horrible things, not just that, but just over the course of, of their history, you know, we got the Holocaust uh, in our own uh, time, uh, all of these things kind of contribute to the, the humor of of uh, the Jewish people. There was a little Hebrew uh, boy, Jewish boy, was going to Hebrew school, and he came home, and, and uh, his dad, you know, says to him, when he gets home from school, this is contemporary, comes home, and he, he says, what did you learn today? And uh, the little boy says, oh, well, we learned about uh, Passover. We learned about uh, Moses and, and Passover. Oh, tell me about it. And so, the uh, little boy says, well, okay, uh, Moses was this really big, strong guy. The, the people of Israel are, are slaves. And, and so he goes and he fights Pharaoh like UFC. He fights Pharaoh and beats him up and then, and then takes all the people of Israel out of, uh, they all escape uh, out, of, out, of, uh, out of Egypt. And they, they're heading towards this, this big ocean thing. And they get there. And uh, then he gets the Corps of Engineers together. <laughs> they build a bridge over this over this Red Sea thing, and then all the all these uh, uh, people of Israel go across the the, 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 the bridge the Corps of Engineers have built. And then the the, the, the Pharaoh he's he's like you know all bruised up and stuff, but he gets all, gets all of his soldiers. They follow him, and, and they start over this bridge. And then the Corps of Engineers press that button, and it all blows up. And they all go into the water, all those Egyptians, these bad Egyptians. And so the, the, the father's absolutely shocked. He goes, what? Doesn't the rabbi teach you that? And, uh, and the kid says, well, no, not really. But he goes, you would never believe the story that he actually did tell us. <laughs> With all the plagues and, and the angel of death and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You'd never believe the story. That he actually told us. You know, when we look at that story, we can see uh, in that story uh, reflections of, the, of, of Passover in the New Testament, can't we? I mean, the whole idea of, uh, in, in we just got through looking at the whole Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John is really a reflection of everything that took place in Passover. John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, at one point he says, Behold, his kid his own followers, John's own followers, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb says, uh, uh, especially the Lord we just sang about it, the, the blood was put around the doorpost and window of the home. That blood saved them from the angel of death. It passed over their houses. 
And so, so we see the, re- the reality of Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the, the um, uh, lambs on Passover, on uh, the uh, uh, first day, uh, tenth day of Nisan, which, which uh, Terry read about, which is uh, the first of the month, uh, they would uh, take these lambs and, and uh, uh, Jerusalem during the days of Jesus would swell up to like 2 million people. They would have 250,000 lambs that they would, that they would uh, sacrifice during that, that week's time. And they would pick these lambs and, and then they would, they would examine the lambs for several days to make sure that they were uh, okay, that they were unblemished, as Terry read. And when Jesus came into Jerusalem, riding on the back of that donkey, you can see in the book of uh, the Gospel of John that he was examined, he was challenged for several days by the religious leaders and the political leaders and found to be without blemish. In fact, that's what Pilate said. I find no fault with this guy. He said that to the Jewish leaders. Why, are we, why, why do you want this guy dead? I find no fault with this guy. When Jesus was on, on the cross, uh, uh, the instructions were, don't boil the lamb, don't eat the lamb raw, but do what? Roast the lamb on a spit. So the lambs were roasted like this, on a spit, in the shape of a cross. These feasts foreshadow what Jesus actualized and lived out on your behalf and mine. So let me just share with you quickly uh, three thoughts regarding Passover uh, as we look at this great feast. Um, First, Passover, and you can find these uh, points on the back of your your bulletin too, Passover is about a great rivalry. When we we look at the feast of Passover, one of the things that we're looking at is the, the, the fact that it is a feast uh, about a great rivalry. And it's been the rivalry that's been going on since the foundation of time, since since uh, human beings have existed. And you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and you can see the inception of this great rivalry. When we look at Passover, we see that the rivalry is between Pharaoh and the one true God. The one true God speaking from the bush says, Moses, the burning bush, says it's not consumed. says, Moses, I want you to go. I want you to free my people. And Moses, so Moses goes and, and so forth, and, and Pharaoh doesn't listen. And then the result are these plagues that take place. But God is constantly saying, free my people. Pharaoh's heart is being hardened. And that's because there's actually this rivalry that's taking place. Pharaoh was considered to be the divine representation of the sun god Ra. R-A, Ra, on earth. And so actually the one true God is confronting a pretend pseudo-god. Same thing, by the way, was true with the Caesars. Augustus Caesar proclaimed himself to be a god. He was called the king of kings and the lord of lords. Did you know that? When we read about that in, in the book of Revelation, that there's this one who will come on a white horse, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that's a direct contradiction to who Augustus Caesar claimed he was. 
And so there was, there was Caesar worship during the time of, uh, of the Caesars, and there was this Pharaoh worship as well, because he was God on earth, pretend God, and now being confronted by the one true God. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when Eve looks at the tree and she sees the fruit, she sees that the fruit is beautiful, that it will make her wise, and that she can be what? We all have Pharaoh in us. We all have Caesar in us. We all, in some way, are a pretend God. We want to call the shots. We want to do what we want rather than what God wants. There's this great rivalry. And Passover highlights this rivalry, this rivalry between pretend gods and the one true God. It's interesting that that Pharaoh, this pretend God, for 400 years had uh, uh, kind of treated the people of Israel horribly. They were experiencing injustice. They were uh, experiencing violence. They were experiencing domination. They were enslaved. And most of the world still experiences that kind of stuff. It really does. We get up and we have our coffee in the morning. We hit Starbucks or whatever. And we come to church and we sit in a really nice sanctuary. And we have a lot of fun and we enjoy stuff. But there are people, billions of people, all over this world who are experiencing massive injustice. trying to get into our own country because they want to experience that same stuff that we do. Domination and violence and injustice. Pharaoh's tools of slavery. It's the plight of most of the world. The global, this is just the global slavery index. The global slavery index estimates 40.3 million slaves in our world today. Guess how many are in the United States? 400,000. We still have slavery today. The people of, of Israel were enslaved. We have people that are enslaved uh, in, in, with prostitution and sex trafficking. There's all kinds of different ways that people today still are enslaved, even in our own country. Violence and injustice and, and domination, whether Pharaohs or Caesars or Herods or political or religious pseudo-gods, there is actually only one true God. We can be outraged regardless of our political persuasion. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a Democrat. We can be outraged by children separated from their parents. We can be outraged by women being mistreated. We can be outraged by chemical attacks on on a person's own country. We can be outraged by intimidation and censure and torture of citizens by their government or religious leaders. And there are positives in our world, right? There are beautiful, wonderful positives in our world. There's a lot of domination and violence and injustice. This rivalry, this 
going on between pseudo-gods, pretend gods, and the one true God. The massive Passover story across our globe is still taking place today, at least the first part of it. So the first thing that we can learn from this, this Passover feast is that there's this rivalry that's taking place between pretend gods Secondly, Passover is about a great mercy. It's not only about a great rivalry, it's also about a great uh, mercy. God is not deaf to the cries of despair that are in our world. In fact, uh, in Exodus 3, verse 7, God is speaking through the burning bush. He He says to Moses, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've given heed to their cry. I have come to deliver them from the power of Egypt, from the slavery slavery that they're in, the power that's being exerted over them unjustly. There is a sharp contrast between pretend gods and the one true God. This is what God, if you read the Old Testament carefully, This is what is said of God by himself and also by the prophets over and over again. Listen closely. I am a God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. My loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. Over and over again, you can look at every book in in the Old Testament, and it talks about the reality of who God actually is. We tend to think of God as he's going to drop the other foot on us at some point. We tend to be afraid of God. We tend to think that somehow God is going to squash us, that God doesn't like us. But the exact opposite is true. Over and over again in the scriptures, God says, I am a God of compassion. I am am a God that is gracious. My loving kindness, God said, is from everlasting to everlasting. I am not a God to be feared. God who wants to embrace you. Just like parents wanting to embrace their kids. That's who God is. Above all else, the Passover story is a story of God's mercy. He hears the cries of his people and he saves his people. He liberates his people. He frees his people. He delivers them. His loving kindness, his graciousness, his compassion are not attributes. They are the very essence of who God is. There was a convent and, and uh, there was a sign uh, by the convent and the, the convent, uh, the sign right there outside of this convent said absolutely no trespassing. Violators will be uh, prosecuted to the full extent of of the law, signed Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> mercy is an attribute of ours. Sometimes we can express it, sometimes not. Mercy, loving kindness, compassion, graciousness are not attributes of God's. They are the very essence of who God is. Attributes can change. They can fluctuate. The very essence of who God is is mercy. 
so when we see this, this mercy of God being displayed for the people of Israel, I hear my people's cry, and Moses, I want to act on behalf uh, of my people. We see that, that, that the pretend God's grip of slavery is broken by the one true God. That is salvation. The word salvation can be translated deliver. It can be translated liberated. It can be translated freed. It can be translated saved. And just as the people of Israel were saved from the power of Pharaoh, from the power of this pretend God, they were saved from slavery. They had no other choice, no other options. But once you God saved them, so God saved us. God liberates us. God frees us. God delivers us as well from slavery to sin and the fear of death. Our chains get broken. I love the fact that our musicians always somehow seem to sing songs uh, during the offertory that reflects the reality of our scripture passage. Really cool. Our chains get broken. The pain that we experience somehow, there's a sad for it. And the sad is greater. We are saved. Jesus broke the grip of sin. Every one of us, a slave. We had no other option. All of our options were gone. The only option that we had was to be a slave of sin. But now we have options. He's freed us. He's liberated us. He's freed us to choose God's will. He's he's liberated us to to live beneath God's sovereignty, to live out God's purposes of love, the practical expression of love in our world around us. He's freed us to do that now. We have choices. We can decide. We don't have to be self-centered, self-absorbed. Change of sin. So, I guess the question that arises in my mind, what are the chains in our country today that still grip our country, that still enslave our country? What about our community? What are the chains that we can see in our own community today that still grip our community? What about our own life? Jesus is freed us. Has freed us. God is great mercy. Finally, Passover is about a great hope. It's not only about a great rivalry, it's not only about a great mercy, it's also about a great hope. The multitude of people today, maybe some of you here this morning, live in despair. Oh my gosh, there's domination, there's injustice, there's violence, there's these chains, there's pain. But the reality is, is God is a God of mercy. Because God is a God of mercy, we can be a people of together. Hope. Louder. Hope. We can be a people of hope. Passover teaches us to be people of hope. This is the people of Israel. 
became people of hope. Get up your loins, take your, take your long cloak, put it in your belt, get, grab that unleavened bread and some of the booty, you know, these whatever they got from the, there was chaos going on after, after those kids were killed and, and they were able to plunder Egypt and head out of town into the promised land that God has for us. We can be people of hope. Ten gods mire people in despair. Ten mires people in despair. The one true God is a God of mercy. So we can be a people of hope, trusting God and His everlasting love for each one of us. The theme for Vacation Bible School was what? What was it, guys? Say it real loud. Shipwreck, or what? We always said blah, 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 and then we go. Right, Jesus rescues. We have hope because Jesus rescues, because he's freed us from the power of sin, and he's freed us from the fear of death. He's liberated us. He saved us. Jesus rescues. Right. It's a miracle of hope. We we look at the, the story of Passover, we go, wow, that's, a, that's an incredible incredible miracle, all those plagues, and that's an incredible miracle, you know, the Red Sea parting, all that kind of stuff. The greater miracle of the Passover story is that it is a story of hope for us human beings. That is the greatest miracle of all. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 15. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to abound in hope. He wants us to be filled with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Back in World War II, Carl and I were talking last week about World War II. Back in World War II, Gloria and I, by the way, in, in northern Idaho, went to this really, really cool aviation museum. Anybody ever been there? It's up, up by Lake Condore. It's this really cool aviation museum that's just stuck up there at Lake Condore. It should be part of a museum of flight. And uh, that's the lower level. The upper level, this guy did all these patents, made all these patents and stuff for all these inventions for culinary things. It started out for uh, uh, being able to breathe, you know, up in the high altitudes and stuff when he was flying as a fighter pilot. pilot and then it turned into making the iron lung. He's the guy that came up with the iron lung. This guy that lived at Lake Condor. It's a fantastic museum. So if you ever get out to Lake Condor, go to that. Don't walk to it. I thought I had a heart attack walking to the thing, straight uphill. Drive your car to it, but it was awesome. Anyway, this B-17 bomber was flying in the latter days of World War II uh, over, over Germany. Flak is coming at him. Uh, the uh, different kinds of shells are coming at him and so forth. And they got hit by a, by a lot of shells. As they, in fact, their, their uh, fuel tank was, was hit numerous times by shells. And so they, they landed. It was a miracle that they didn't explode. It was incredible. So the mechanics are working on, on this uh, plane. They, they take out uh, 11 20-millimeter shells out of this B-17 plane. None of them had exploded. When they open the shells up, they find out why. 
there were no explosives in the shells. One of the shells, one of the shells had a note that was inside of the shell. The note said, this is all we can do for now. Some Czech guy working in a German munitions plant, part of the resistance movement, had left out explosives in those shells and saved the lives of those guys in that B-17 bomb. Is that incredible? This is all we can do for now. God frees us from slavery to sin. And what he says is more than this is what I can do for you now. Because this is what I can do for you from everlasting to everlasting. Sometimes we wonder if we can escape despair. If we can escape those chains, especially delivery was, was singing about. Sometimes we wonder, Jesus, I just, I just need you to rescue me. The reality is that Passover teaches us that there is this great rivalry between pseudo-gods and the one true God. Passover teaches us that God is a God of great mercy. And Passover teaches us that we can be a people of great hope. We don't have to be people of despair. Amen? Take a moment. If you're comfortable, just in the quietness of your own heart, just if you're comfortable, bow your head. Just let God's Spirit speak to your heart. God, we have earlier acknowledged our own folly, finiteness, frailties, our own sin. We acknowledge that our inclinations are the same deeds and ends to be like you, to, to somehow be God in place of you. And we bow before you. Thank you, Jesus, that you freed us slavery to sin. You saved us from the fear of death. You liberated us to live differently, to be filled by your Spirit, to be people of hope, to reflect your love to the essence of who you are, to your compassion and graciousness to this world around us. Lord, how our world needs you. How our world needs to experience the reality of who you so many places of pain, so many places where there are chains where people are still bound across our border. Lord, I pray that Christ ones all over this planet would stand up and reflect the reality of who you are, your compassion, your graciousness, your loving kindness, which is from everlasting to everlasting. Here is as we pray the prayer that you taught your followers. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.